In the parable of the vine and the branches, Jesus speaks about the need for every branch to bear fruit. In fact, if we are connected to the true vine, we should be producing fruit. It's only natural for a branch that is connected to a healthy vine to produce good fruit. And if the branch is not producing fruit, there is something wrong, and the vine dresser will need to address this. Now, it's relatively easy for us to understand the illustration that Jesus uses when it comes to a vine and the branches on that vine. The branch on the grapevine produces grapes because it is attached to a healthy grape vine. But understanding what Jesus is saying here about producing fruit is, is more difficult when it comes to real people and the application of this parable to the lives of people who live in flesh and bones. And the question we ask ourselves is this, what does this kind of fruit look like when it is produced in you and me? Well, in this meditation, in this episode, I want to take a moment to consider what kind of fruit the Lord Jesus is looking for in those who are connected to him as the true vine. The word Jesus uses here in John chapter 15 and verse 2, the word fruit, has a number of different meanings in the New Testament Greek. We read, for example, in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 and 17, the following. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? In this parable, the rich man was looking for a place to store his crops. And the word crops is the same word that Jesus uses to speak of fruit from the vine. And in this case, it speaks of the rich man's abundant harvest from the land. In Luke 13, we read the parable of Jesus about a man who planted a fig tree and came searching for fruit but was not able to find any. And once again, we see how the New Testament uses the word fruit to speak about the fruit of a tree or the produce of a vine. And in this way, the use of the word fruit refers to the produce of the soil or the produce of the land. But Luke chapter 1 expands this definition of fruit when it uses the same word to describe uh, what was happening in Mary's womb. In Luke chapter 1, verse 41 and 42, we read this. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Here, Elizabeth uh, speaks about the Lord Jesus, who was the fruit of Mary's womb. 
And so in the New Testament, we we see that the word fruit is used to describe children who are conceived in the womb and grow in the womb of a mother. As we move further into the use of the Greek word fruit, for fruit that Jesus uses in John 15, we discover that the word is also used to describe the deeds and the actions of people. Consider the words of John the Baptist to the religious leaders who who came to his baptism in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 7 to 10. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The religious leaders of that day were not living the life that God expected of them. On the outside, they appeared to be holy, but they were living as hypocrites. And John rebuked them because they did not live as true believers. They were not living a life of true holiness. They were not bearing the fruit of repentance. They did not demonstrate the fruit that God expected from them. Their deeds and their actions and their attitude were not coming from a heart that produced good fruit. Later in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice the use of the word fruit here. It's the same word that Jesus uses in John 15. And Paul uses this word to describe the work of the Spirit in the life of the believer. A grapevine produces grapes, an apple tree produces apple and apples, and the Spirit of God produces the fruit of the Spirit. And when the Spirit of God is in the believer, he works in that life to produce his character, the character of Christ. And the Spirit of God begins to transform the character of those in whom he lives. And that believer begins to experience love for those he never loved before. And the Spirit produced gentleness that, that, that is given to him begins to transform even the hardest of hearts. And the character of God begins to form within us because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he begins to change us into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, I admit that there are times when we're very slow to accept the work of God's Spirit, but every surrendered branch of the vine will be transformed by the work of the Spirit of God that flows through them. Now, Paul reminded the Corinthians in in 1 Corinthians 3 that they were not surrendering to the work of God's Spirit in their lives. 
And so in 1 Corinthians 3, he says this, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Those words, behaving only in a human way, are powerful words. But yet, how often, as believers, do we behave in a human way and not in the work and through the work of the Spirit of God in our lives? I remember being in another country with a group of pastors, and and we were traveling down the road, and we came to a stoplight, and we stopped at the light, and a poor young man came over to wash the windshield of the car, hoping to get a donation from from us. And the uh, of course the rag he used was not necessarily the cleanest rag, and and I watched as he wiped the windshield. I watched one of the pastors burst out in anger and got out of the car and, and, and went after this young man, yelling at him as he went. And, and as I watched this outburst of anger in this, this man of God, I, 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 I did not see the fruit of the Spirit, but a man acting in the flesh. How we need to see and to let the Spirit of God control our emotions and attitudes. How we need to see Him root out jealousy and anger and lust and pride and replace it with the fruit of His Spirit. God is wanting to produce in us the fruit of His Spirit, transforming us into the life of of, into the image of Jesus Christ. There's another use of the word fruit in the New Testament that we need to examine. Jesus speaks in John chapter 4 and verse 36 about gathering fruit for eternal life. The Apostle Paul speaks about this as well in, in Romans chapter 1, where he says this, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I might reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Now, the word harvest there is the same word in the Greek language that Jesus uses in John chapter 15, speaking about fruit. Paul wanted to reap some fruit among the Romans. He wanted to go to Rome in order to reap fruit among them. The harvest that Paul speaks about here, the fruit that Paul speaks about, is the result of his efforts for the cause of the gospel. The fruit that Paul speaks about is the fruit of faithful and diligent efforts for the cause of Christ. For Paul to reap this kind of fruit, he had to sacrifice of his time and his effort. He had to be willing to die to himself and work hard. He harvested or he reaped a harvest of fruit because he served diligently. There is no fruit that can, there, there is a fruit that can only be harvested because we have put in the effort to sow the seed. The crown is given to those who persevere. 
The trophy is given to the one who completes the race. The fruit belongs to the one who has worked hard cultivating the soil, and you cannot harvest what you do not sow. So Paul uses the word fruit here to speak about the labors of uh, that the, the fruit of labor that he had undergone for the Lord. Let me bring up one more use of the word fruit in the New Testament before we summarize and apply this to our our life and and the parable of, of Jesus. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews has to say in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Paul speaks here about the fruit of the lips. And what is the fruit of the lips? He describes it as a sacrifice of praise from lips that acknowledge God. God is looking for fruit from our lips. The lips that produce fruit are lips that honor him in everything they say. They are lips that acknowledge the Lord and offer him praise in in every word. They are lips that sing to his honor and pray for the souls of men and women around us. The fruit of our lips, the fruit of our words that bring honor and glory and praise to the Lord God Almighty. So what do we learn from the use of the word fruit in the New Testament about the fruit that we need to produce as branches on the vine? Let me make two points here. The first is that this fruit relates to our character. The fruit that Jesus speaks about in in John 15 refers, first of all, to our character. Jesus rebukes the Pharisees of his day for their ungodly attitude. Those who are part of the vine will demonstrate in growing measure that they are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God is willing to change every branch that surrenders to the vine. He will remove the stony heart of flesh and give you a new heart. He will remove the bitterness and pride and produce in them love and forgiveness. The fruit of God's Spirit should become more and more evident in all of us who are surrendering to the vine. And if you are going to produce the fruit of a character that brings honor to God, we will need to be sensitive to the voice and to the the leading of God's Spirit. We will need to listen to his conviction when he speaks to us about our attitudes, and we must learn to plead with him to transform us into the image of of the Lord Jesus. And as the Spirit of God begins to produce this fruit, even the the fruit of our lips bring honor to, to the Lord, and our lips begin to reflect the attitude of our transformed heart. 
And if you want to know if you are producing fruit, then you need to look at your character. Are we demonstrating the fruit of God's Spirit in our character? Examine the words we speak. Do our words demonstrate our heart, a heart that is being transformed? Are we producing fruit, a character that reflects the heart of God, a character that demonstrates more and more in increasing measure that we are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ in our character and attitudes and thoughts and words. Not only does the heavenly vine dresser want us to, to see the fruit of Jesus in us in terms of our character, but he also wants to see, secondly, fruit as a result of our labor. Paul wanted to reap a harvest or a fruit among the Romans. The farmer wants to see a crop for his hard labor. And the Lord has given us spiritual gifts and burdens, and he wants us to pursue these. He, he wants those gifted with gifts of evangelism to use their gifts in the hope of seeing men and women come to know the Savior. He wants those to whom he has given burdens of mercy and compassion to bear that burden for others. Whatever gift and calling the Lord has given to us needs to be cultivated for his glory. It is the heart of God that we push back the forces of darkness and advance his kingdom. And the fruit that God is calling us to produce is the fruit of both godly character and empowered service. The godly character, this godly character, is not a result of our human effort. It is the fruit of His Spirit who is transforming us, all who surrender to Him. And this empowered service is not the result of our skill and our education and knowledge, but the power of God through whom Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And as, I, as Zechariah says, not by might, nor by power, but by my strength. Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is a powerful work that God is doing in the branch. There is a, a great work that God is doing in the branch as he moves through that branch to reshape the character of those who are the branches, as he empowers the branch to produce fruit that comes from him and is a result of the work, his work in their lives. The question we ask ourselves is this, are we willing to surrender to him and to this work that he wants to do? Will we believe in him and trust his leading? Will you let him change you? Will you allow him to use you? The branch that produces fruit is a branch that is surrendered to the vine. And whatever branch is connected to the vine will be transformed as a result of that connection. And with the very life and the power of the vine in them, how can they not be changed? How can they not produce and yield fruit that is a result of the very presence of God? in their lives. May God give to us 
this kind of fruit, a fruit of renewed and changed character, and the fruit of empowered service in our community and in our church for the glory of his name.